Today on Bible Conversations, we're going to be talking about how we worship God today. Welcome back for another episode. Chris and I are here together in the summer. Man, we're really in full swing now. Um, things are moving and they're moving fast. It, it seems like we don't have much of a break. And, and honestly, we won't get one until August. But um, how are you enjoying things this summer versus last summer when we were locked up? <laughs> it is mind-blowingly different. Uh, just so many events, so many things going on. I mean, summer camps and uh, the ability to actually be around the kids um, yeah. is it's nice. Yeah. And to drive them places in the van. Yes. That <laughs> is – oh, man, that's exciting. <laughs> it's a nice tool that we can have here. Yes. Um, well, today we're talking about worship, as uh, I just mentioned, and something kind of cool that we're doing on Sunday mornings this this summer for our adult Bible classes, we actually had folks here at Keller text in their questions that they wanted us well, wanted addressed during Bible class on Sunday mornings. And so what we're going to do on our podcast is we're also going to take some of those questions and try to address them here in, in, yeah. in, in this format. So, yeah. um, so the one we're talking about today is worship. Why do we worship the way that we do? Um, why do we sing a cappella here in the church? And, um, and yeah, just, just why, why? I think that's a really big question yeah. that, that is often asked by, by people who either grew up in the church and didn't have a whole lot of study that goes into it or people that, that come to the Lord later and, and aren't really walked through step by step. The, the question is just left behind. Why? Yeah. Like, why do you do what you do? Um, and and it's more than just worship, but mm-hmm. that's what we're going to be talking about today. So. Yeah. You know, I, I think – so I actually come from a background of at least very early on. I was – very early on was in the, the, the Catholic church, and then I moved over to a community church. Mm-hmm. And they – I mean, they had a full band going, right? And, yeah. Um, you know, so from a practical standpoint, it, it, I will probably be approaching this much more from a practical and historical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got a couple scriptures that you're wanting to share. Um, but you know, when we, when we look through the old Testament, right. And we see that there are, there's instruments used, there's whatever the case may be. We do also have to understand that we are no longer under the old law. Yeah. Right. And so anything that we see there, we, we, we take the heart of the matter, right. Not the law of the letter. And Mm so, um, you know, so that's one thing and, and, and we're more than willing to to talk more about that. But uh, I think we've got, I think you've got a couple of verses you're going to share, and then I've got a couple of things that I want to discuss. But let's, yeah, let's start talking. Th- that'll actually be something that we talk about later in the summer too, because that's another question that was texted in: is um, why do we even have the Old Testament anymore if it's not binding to us? Um, if if the new law, the the New Testament, is what we follow, um, why do we even have the old one? So, uh, like Chris is saying, we'll talk about that down the line. Um, but that yeah. that was another question that was asked. So. Um, before we really get into, like you said, the history or uh, what's been commanded, I want to first look at the examples that were, were given. Um, yeah. The first example I, I want to talk about in regards to, to, to singing and to our worship is actually in Acts chapter 16. Um, 
the little a little context here and background in Acts chapter sixteen, Paul and Silas, um, Paul was was just starting his his second missionary journey. Um, he had gone through the region of of Galatia and uh, encouraged churches like Lystra, Derby, and Iconium, and and had come back to Jerusalem to the Jerusalem Council where. Um, a lot of brothers debated, Hey, should we bring Gentiles into this thing? And, <laughs> and it was pretty clearly decided. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and thank goodness, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so from there, um, Paul goes out on his second missionary journey, um, along with Silas and, uh, and here he's going through the, the region of Macedonia. He comes to Philippi and when he's in Philippi, then there's this, uh, the servant girl who is actually, um, it, it says in verse 16 of chapter 16 that she had a spirit of divination and she actually brought her owners, the the owners of this slave girl, she brought her owners a lot of money because she would, would tell people's fortunes. Um, and what's interesting is that as you read through those next couple of verses, apparently when, when Paul and Silas and the others that were with them were in Philippi, this young girl would follow them around and proclaiming to everyone, these men are servants of the most high God uh, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, when you hear that, it's like, hey, that's kind of cool. People pay this girl to tell them the truth about their future. And now she is just following Paul and Silas are all around Philippi, all around town. And I can almost just kind of see her jumping around, you know, like <laughs> like uh, flannel, flailing about saying these men are servants of the Most High God, which yeah. also that's a really cool thing to be yeah. called, um, to, to have that as your title. I'm yeah. a servant of the Most High God. Yeah. <laughs> like Is what that, someone else is calling you. Yes, that is just really, really cool. Um, but apparently Paul got really annoyed with her. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and which which is why I think she's jumping around and um anyways uh Paul gets annoyed with her. He commands that spirit to come out of her and her owners are angry because all of the money that she brought in by telling people's fortunes is now gone. So her owners seize Paul and Silas, throw them into prison, and that's when we get to the example that I really want to talk about um down in verse 25. Paul and Silas had been thrown into prison, and it says in verse 25 of Acts 16, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, it's only one verse. It's such a short little clip, but it is so cool that because of the way that we worship our God, we can do it at any time and anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's, first of all, that's what I love so much about the way that, that we've been instructed to worship. Yeah. The, the way that, that God has said, I want you to worship this way because I can do it anytime, anywhere. I can, I can be climbing a mountain yeah. with some friends and go off by myself and go worship God. Yeah. I can be sitting in a, in nice dress clothes on Sunday morning in an auditorium and be worshiping God the exact same way. Um, that you you can be sitting in a prison with your 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 hands in in stocks and and really be unable to move and yet you can still be worshiping God. Yeah. Just because it, it's your voice. You're you're carrying around with you at all times what you need to worship God and that is so cool to me. So that's the, that's the first example I want to look at is that they didn't care when or where. They're going to sing praises to God. Yeah, and I think that's such an Really a poignant example 
not just in – obviously, it was not corporate worship at that point, right? Mm-hmm. But they were worshiping God, as you're pointing out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, man, I miss out on a lot of, right? Is just taking time out of my day just to sing songs of praise, yeah. right? Taking time out of my day, you know, when I'm doing other things to stop and just say a prayer, right? Um, you know, I think we we say a prayer in the morning, we say a prayer in the evening, maybe before we eat. But there's so much more time in the day to be praying and to be singing songs of praise and uh, and all of that is worship. Right? We're worshiping God. We're letting him know how wonderful and, and, and awesome and powerful and, and great he is and and that we love him. Uh, and so I think that's huge. Uh, and, you know, I think you're about to go over here, so I'll just go ahead and, I guess, jump the gun. Yeah, go for uh, it. But uh, but Ephesians chapter 5, uh, yeah. as we you know, as we discuss the, the idea of singing and, and really singing with the heart, right? And I'll let you get into the the background of this, but I'll go ahead and, and discuss it here. Uh, in verse 15 is where we'll start. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, hold on. I thought we were talking about singing. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're, so You're supposed to be filled with the spirit, not the spirit. <laughs> that's true, right? So so as we look at this, a lot of a lot of people that I know, right? And a lot of people I d- th- think Dylan that you know will use the verses we're about to read as the uh, I guess inspiration for for lack of instruments, right? For only seeing with the heart. And that's mm-hmm. true, and that's accurate. But when we don't understand the context, we miss so much. Mm-hmm. And so the point of this, yes, is sing. But it's to be filled with the Spirit. Right? The, the Spirit is the primary key in this passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to break down why there is a lack of instruments here in just a second. But I want to make sure that that is put very clear is that we are to be making the best use of the time we have. And we are to be filled with the Spirit. And once that is true, once we are filled with the Spirit, we are to, as in verse 19 it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So once we're filled with the Spirit, then we're to address one another. Mm-hmm. And we're to do that in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs, and we're to do it by singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. Now, my understanding is that some people have an issue with that phrase, making melody. Yeah. So, you want to talk about that? So where that comes from, um, like if you actually look back to the Greek, that, that those two words that we have in English, making melody, that's one Greek word, solo. Yeah. And what that Greek word really means is just to pluck. Um, you know, it's like to to pluck. It can be plucking an instrument to, to play something, you know, um, which is the same thing, honestly, as making melody in English. Yeah. You know, you can make melody with all sorts of things. Um, well, and the, so the other part of that is your vocal cords. Yeah. So your vocal cords are chords, right? Yeah. They're not called vocal cords because it's not a chord, right? It's a, yeah. there are multiple chords that you see. And whenever you sing, whenever you are uh, I guess, you know, singing out, those vocal cords are vibrating, mm-hmm. right? And they're, they're plucking, yeah. right? They're going, they're, they're going against each other. And so, uh, in, in, in a lot of cases, right, that's, that's what it's talking about, right? Yeah. Is, is the, at least I, that's how I see it in some senses, right? Is that the, the, the plucking of, of your heart, right? The making melody and then your vocal cords, right? Being strings in essence, right? Yeah. Being chords going back and forth, 
is well that's what happens when you pluck an instrument right yeah you, well and that's a really good example too to to pluck the the vocal cords yeah. um and, and likely could go both ways uh singing and and making melody or, or plucking um to the Lord with your heart, which obviously doesn't make sense in English, but that's the Greek to English um, translation. It's, well, it's, it's, it's plucking your heart to the Lord. Yeah, and um, it's a poetic example, right? Yeah. So it's not, oh, man, we, when we read through Scripture, we also have to understand the genre, right? And yeah. So this is this is a very poetic way of of writing here that Paul is using, and he's he's doing that on purpose, right? It's It's supposed to be in such a way that it, is a musically inclined type of thing. I and mean, just when you read through it, it it seems kind of musical, right? Um, and it, it's a comparison and contrast. It's there, there's a whole lot there. And you know, I think the the idea here of of making melody, right, and um, and, and plucking and all of this is it's supposed to be musically inclined. It's mm-hmm. supposed to give off a feel of, uh, of of musicalness, but nowhere here. Does it talk about instruments? Yeah. Right. Well, and and that's the problem is um, with that word solo. Yeah. Um, there are folks who try to change what it means in the Greek. Yeah. Um, just as as happens with other Greek words, for example, like um, ace when in Acts two thirty eight mm-hmm. when it says repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Yeah. That word for is ace. It's you're baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, there are folks who who will try to change the meaning of those Greek words and say, well, no, what that really means is because of your sins have already been forgiven. And Paul, Peter's just saying be baptized uh, because your sins have been forgiven to, to confirm that. But yeah. that's not true. No. That, that, that word ace means for. You're yep. baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Same thing here in Ephesians. Solo, means to simply pluck. It does not mean to pluck a instrument specifically. It does not have any specifics on it other than to pluck. So then we have to keep reading to see what we need to pluck. You sing, okay? That's vocal cords. Your your heart to the Lord, your, your heart strings to God. You're pouring out your heart to God. Yeah. It's um, When you read the context, you realize that word solo is... It's honestly two parts. There's the the a little bit literal in your vocal cords, but there's also figurative in your heart. You're not going to reach inside your chest and pluck your heartstrings. Yeah. I honestly couldn't get to mine. I've, yeah. I've got a little bit of a winter layer to get off <laughs> here as we start in up summer. But that that's the well, that's the poetic part I was talking it, about. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and and it's just a, a misrepresentation of the Greek. Yeah, misunderstanding. Yeah, and. Um, well, I don't know so much misunderstanding as it much. It could be intentional. A, a, an intentional misrepresentation, yeah. yeah. So you know, as we as we talk about these verses, right, I think they're very important uh, because it, it helps to give us an understanding of what it is that we are to do. Mm-hmm. But as we look back to the first century church, mm-hmm. I, I think this is where all of the all of this kind of the, the rubber hits the road, right? The rubber meets the road type of a deal because what we see with the first century church is that none of them, we have no indication that any of them ever – used instruments. And in fact, it wasn't until uh, the really like 11th or 12th century that any instruments were used in any worship Mm -hmm. anywhere. Uh, Gregorian chant was a huge thing way back when, right? We have um, instances of that. We have, you know, they're they're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? But, Mm -hmm. But there's no 
verifiable use of instruments until well into the new millennium, uh, you know, after Christ has died, right? Like a thousand plus years. And then even more so in the last 50 years have instruments really taken over worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and taken over to the point where people just stop singing. Yeah. And now not only are you trying to add something that we don't find as a command, but now you're because you've added too much of you're that something away. you're taking away something that you're you're supposed to be having in worship and that's your voice. Yeah. Well, and and that goes back to the point I was making earlier, right? I mentioned I was I started in a Catholic church and then mm-hmm. I went to a uh, you know community church, right? Non-denominate, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And man, it got to the point where I didn't want to sing because mm-hmm. I couldn't hear myself sing. I couldn't. It's hear... like singing along to a band at a concert. Yeah. Like I mean, you can go to. A, to a George Strait concert, and when he's singing "Check Yes or No," and everybody else is singing that in the crowd, you're not gonna. And the the instruments are are blaring so loud, you're not even gonna be able to hear yourself. No, the, and you're not gonna be able to hear the people next to you, right? And exactly, so, yeah. A lot of songs are so there. There's different types of songs, right? Some songs you sing directly to God, some songs you sing with other people, mm-hmm. and some songs you sing to other people. Yeah. Well, if we're singing a worship song that is so, that is to somebody else and an, an encouragement and admonishment for them to love the Lord, right? Well, they're to be singing that back to us. We can't hear anybody else. We're missing out on the whole point of why we're singing that song. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we go back to the, the first century, right? There's no recorded um, usage of first century Christians utilizing instruments in worship. And then we go back to the Old Testament and we see that there were instruments used. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened? Something had to give where they're no longer utilizing those instruments. I think a couple things. One is that there is a clear delineation and split between the Jewish culture and, and, and the Christian. Mm-hmm. And there has to be, right? And so this is one of the ways in which that happens. And the second is that if we have no verifiable proof that they use worship, but we have verifiable proof that Christ lived, right? Like we have proof of that, then they didn't use instruments in worship. And thus, if they didn't use instruments in worship right after Christ had died, when the apostles were there, who are we 2,000 years later to try and start doing that now? Um, You know, we, they, they stopped it for a reason. Yeah. Right. They stopped it for a very specific reason. Now, the scriptures, and this is this is one thing that you know I, I kind of hold to. The scriptures in the New Testament never expressly condemn or promote the use of instruments in worship. Mm-hmm. Never does that. Right? There is never. You will not find a verse that says you are anathema if you use instruments, right? Or if you don't use instruments, you are anathema, right? Yeah. Like, not, that's not true. Yeah. You will not find that. But because we don't find anything, and this is where I think the, again, the the rubber meets the road, right, is the scriptures are silent on this matter in the New Testament with regards to the, uh, I guess, command of using instruments, right? We have, we have, we have verses that we've already discussed, right? That, that show that, hey, we, we shouldn't be, but there's no direct command. And because there's no direct command, we are, where the scriptures are silent, so we are too. Yeah. Well, I, I would go one step further than that. I, I don't know if necessarily the scriptures are just it, – it's like – it's not like it's been left out completely. Yeah. Well, and that's, um, and that's what I mean by we it, have we have verses that yeah. discuss it. Yeah, because it, it, it is interesting when – in Ephesians, when Paul says, pluck the, the strings of your heart. It's yeah. kind of like 
He says, pluck the strings. Okay, what instrument? Your heart. Okay. I, I can get on board with that. Like, yeah. like that makes sense. Let's start plucking our heartstrings, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I like guess you, my, you can see the church in Ephesus like, yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah. I guess my point is it's, it's not like a Matthew 28, 19, 20, yes. right? Like go therefore, right? Yes. It's, yeah. It's not that. It's, there's no, you're sinning if you use instruments. There is no, you're sinning if you don't use instruments. Exactly. Instead, it's a, this is how you should worship. Yes. This is the, this is the, the way. way that you worship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the way, Mandalorian. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. No, that's kind of where um, I went. Before we leave Ephesians, though, I had one more thing I wanted to, yeah, to mention. Because this is not just all about why we worship acapella. This is why we worship the the way that we do in, in regards to everything in yeah. worship. And so um, still there in Ephesians. And you mentioned it a little bit ago, but I want to focus a little bit more on it. Um, in verse 18 of Ephesians 5, and do not get drunk on wine. Um, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. This is a really interesting discussion. When you're asked, um, how do I phrase this? I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, what does a spiritual person look like? Like, like how do they come across? Glowing and white and shiny. Okay. Well, that wasn't what I was expecting. Most Uh, people, most people would answer, um, (laughs) Very emotional in in that's terms fair. of their worship. Yeah, that's a for that's a twenty first century thing. Yeah, that that's not the true definition of of someone who's spiritual. Yeah, someone who's spiritual understands. Well, first of all, has the knowledge of mm-hmm. why we do things, but also understands why we do things. It's it's more of a. I am spiritual when I know who Christ is, understand who Christ is, have obeyed the the things that he has told me to do. That's what makes someone spiritual, not a matter of, whoa, I'm flowing with the emotions today. Let's go worship. That doesn't make me spiritual. That makes me emotional, yes. which is not wrong. No. That can be a part of the spirituality that you have, but it yes, is not the but, spirituality. But the emotion, it should come from knowledge and understanding. Exactly. Because when – like with families, for example, yeah. you don't cry when you just read the obituary in the news, in the newspaper. Yeah. You cry when you read your grandfather's obituary. Yeah, and that's because you have knowledge of who he is, understanding of of what he's done for your family. Yeah, and that leads to the emotional connection and yeah. reaction. Same thing with us today in our spiritual yeah. walk is is that. When we have the knowledge and understanding and, and honestly, obedience towards Christ that will yeah. lead to the emotional, but we cannot confuse those two things. No. So, and, you know, you, so you would ask me and I, I gave yeah. a joke of an answer, but, <laughs> um, but no, to me, someone who is spiritual is someone who is actively doing the will of the Father. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you can have people that are doing the will of the Father because, quote unquote, it's the right thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about spiritual people are those who are doing the will of the Father, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because they genuinely want to serve the Lord. Yes. Because they know what he has done for them, right? Yeah. They're, they're aware of that, and they are appreciative of that. And they're showing that appreciation through their actions. And so, you know, as we're filled with the Spirit, like you're saying, right, it, it has to be a um, – it has to be a choice that we make, and it has yeah. to be a um, an active daily hourly minute by minute choice to serve and to do so in such a way that it glorifies God because 
because of what he's done for us. And and it's such a small portion here in this passage. Um, don't be filled with the spirits, but be filled with the spirit. Um, yeah. And that's Dylan's translation. Um, it's such a small portion, but that one phrase, be filled with the spirit, there's so much that goes into it because it's – it's a starting in that understanding knowledge, like like you're saying, that someone who genuinely loves God. Yeah. But then it develops from there because to be filled with with the spirits, alcohol, um, that's creating that sense of euphoria. You know, that's why people drink. That's that's why people are filled are drunk on wine because they get that sense of euphoria. But Paul's saying instead get that sense of euphoria from the spirit. It doesn't just come with a one-time decision. Okay, I want to get my sense of euphoria from from the spirit of God. It's not just yeah. that one time, hey, I want to do this. Instead, it's a process. It starts in knowledge and understanding and obedience and it, and it leads to that emotional reaction of euphoria. That yeah. wow. Yeah. God is who he says he is. I understand that. And then I have that emotional connection. And that's when I address him in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual Well, and that's when we know that. That's when we choose to worship him in the way that he wants to be worshiped. Yes. And that kind of brings me to... And that's when I I pour my heart out to him. Yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of brings me to to Nadab and Abihu. So talk about this real quick. Uh, We'll kind of, I think, close up with this. Yeah. But there, in in the Old Testament, specifically in, in Leviticus chapter 10, Starting in verse 1, we see Nadab and Abihu, right? Now, they're Aaron's sons, right? Mm-hmm. So we have Aaron, the, the first high priest of God. The brother of Moses. The brother of Moses, right? And then we have his sons, Nadab and Abihu. Now, well, now, what chapter are you in real quick? Leviticus chapter 10. Okay, you probably told me that, but I forgot. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it. And offered, and here's the key word here, right? And offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. Mm-hmm. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Hmm. Nabdab and Abihu, being the sons of a high priest, chose to offer a sacrifice, a fire, with incense to God. The issue is that it was unauthorized, and the result was death. Now, I have not seen in today's society God consuming people with fire for utilizing or even committing sin, but we do know that the wages of sin is death, right? We do know that when we don't follow God, we uh, are, are are doomed, right? We we have no salvation, right? When we don't accept Christ uh, into our lives through baptism, mm-hmm. we we are not saved. And here, this is very very particularly about worship. Right? Nadab and Abihu are trying to worship God, but they're doing it in the wrong way, and God does not like that. And no. God is the same yesterday, mm-hmm. today. And forever, which means God is very particular about how he wants to be worshipped, which is why he told Moses among to tell Aaron, right, among those who are near me, those who know me, those who understand who I am, right, Mm -hmm. I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. God cares how he is worshipped. Yeah, well, and that's in his nature, too. He Because of his holiness, he's like... (laughs) I'm not going to be disrespected and you're not going to do something that 
disrespects me. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Nadab and, Nadab and Abihu being struck down because for the folks here at Keller who are listening to this, that's another little preview is uh, one of the questions that we got for later this summer is the I'm trying to remember how it was phrased. I'm coming blank on it, but it's something about why does God punish sin the way he does and we read about in the Old Testament versus yeah. the way he punishes sin today, sin today is essentially waiting for judgment day right yeah um so anyways if you if that's a question that's been on your mind before come this summer to bible class um it's going to be so awesome and if if you're not here in keller uh look us up on facebook live and watch our bible classes on there so that's about all i had for today did you have any other things to comment on i'm good i just want to thank all of our listeners for uh for listening in uh we are uh we're excited about uh, where this is going and uh, so grateful for all of you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and if you have any uh, questions, comments, um, want to let us know your thoughts about today's episode, feel free to reach out to us. Our contact info is in the description below, but also will be played here in a minute. Thank you so much for listening to the Bible Conversations podcast. I want to tell you about a couple of ways in which you can be involved or help us out. You can like us on Facebook, and share our posts, you can send us an email at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. You can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also partnering with Ministry League. This is a wonderful app full of so many different resources to help you grow your faith. We love you all. Now let's go start a conversation.